Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. Welcome, class 17. I was going to say 15. I'm a little behind. (laughs) Anyway, welcome, you guys. Glad to have you here. Uh, We're going through the book of Exodus, and uh, no, we're not going to finish it tonight. Um, people are like, oh, <laughs> anyway, what we've been doing is we've been going through the book of Exodus and, um, we have learned a lot about in the last few chapters about, uh, putting, uh, all these plans in place. And so lately we've been actually, excuse me, we've been architecting the plans now we're putting them into place. And so we've been learning that we're, we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers as well. We've also learned that God is definitely into the detail, as we're going to see here tonight. And we've been seeing about uh, the, the bells and the, and the colors and everything that's involved, the gold, the silver. He's very much in the details of not only the tabernacle, which we've been studying, but in you and I personally. Renee and I were talking. She goes, yeah, even like when you, you know, you get that parking spot when you need it up front and you need to get, you're in a hurry and you get there. God is in the details of our life. I often blow off things like that. Well, he's too busy for that. He's not really, it's up to me to take care of all this, but he really is concerned about every detail of our lives. And so the book is actually broken up into three uh, areas. It's it's, uh, bondage, the bondage of Egypt, the redemption of Egypt, and now we're going into the revelation of really Christ. God is revealing himself through the tabernacle and the way it's built and all the details involved. And as we look at this, You and I are the same. Bondage and sin. Before you came to Christ, you were in bondage to sin. You were separated from God because of your sin. The time that you received Jesus Christ into your heart for the forgiveness of your sin is that final sacrifice once and for all. You've become redeemed. And now as a redeemed Christian... We, as we grow from glory to glory, each day ignite class 17 as you spend the next year or six months out on the field after you're done here. God will begin to reveal himself to you more and more in a powerful way. So keep that in mind as we jump in. We're in chapter 38 of Exodus. And I'm going to read the first seven verses. He made the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood. Five cubits was its length and five cubits was its width. Its square and its height was three cubits. He made his horns on its four corners. On his four corners, the the horns were one piece with it. And he overlaid it with bronze. He made all the utensils and, of, for the altar. The Boy, these glasses are horrible. 
Either that or my eyes are fading before you. Even worse. I'm going to have to go to a 175. Um, And it was overlaid with bronze. Verse 3. He made all the utensils for the altar, the pans, the shovels, the basins, the forks, and the fire pans. All the utensils he made of bronze. And he made a grate of bronze network for the altar under its rim midway from the bottom. He cast four rings for the four corners of the bronze grating as holders for the poles. As he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. Then he put the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that um, you would speak to us, you would open our hearts and our minds. Lord, as I have spent time in your word and you've given me some things to look at and to dissect here tonight, Lord, you know, I pray that you would just bring it all out in clarity tonight. Would everybody here, and I mean everyone, would all of us walk out of here with something spoken of you tonight? We invite you, Holy Spirit, now in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I dived into this, and I was talking to a brother out in the last week when I found out I was doing this, I, the thing that stood out to me was the acacia wood. Man, there's got to be something there with this acacia wood, right? There's got to be something really powerful in it, really spiritual. Well, there's not. <laughs> Thanks for coming. There's coffee and donuts. No. There isn't, but there is, there is. As I was looking into this, I'm going, man, is, I wonder uh, if that's how they built the ark. And I go, well, no, they built the ark with gopher wood. I wonder if it's the same wood that they crucified Christ on. No, it was cypress, pine, and cedar. That's what they say, the commentaries. So what is it with the acacia wood? The acacia wood in that, in that time was the, the, the common tree in the wilderness. It was the most plentiful tree when they're traveling in the wilderness. It was strong, it was dense, and it, it was meant to last a long time. Now, we found out before that they used acacia wood to make a great vessel, the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah? And we're going to see some other things that, that God used this acacia wood to make. But as I was looking at it, and I was talking to a brother about this, it's just a common thing. There was nothing powerful about it. There was nothing mighty about this kind of tree. It was very common. And then I start to look at it, and I go, wow, aren't we a bunch of common people? God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. The Bible says not many are noble are called. Not many. I got it here. For First uh, Corinthians one twenty six. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So as we look at the tree, the common tree, it gives me great joy and excitement. That I don't have to be the mover and the shaker. I don't have to be the guy with the best looks and all this and that. The best dancer. Some of you guys might have seen me at the weddings. (laughs) Anyway, we 
do that as people. We can look at people and look at, at somebody that we might think better than ourselves and think that I can't do that because I'm not like them. God would have me stand here to, to hear to, to you tonight and tell you that he loves you, he cares about you, and every one of you are a workmanship unto him, valued and priceless. We see when God, when we looked at David, look at King David, he was a little runt, right? But God, when uh, Samuel went to Jesse and then went through all the sons, you and I have the tendency to look at that person and go, sure, that's got to be the guy. Well, God doesn't look at the heart. I mean, excuse me, God doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the heart. And we get trapped in that. We get tied up in that in our world, trying to succeed, even as Christians. Amen? We do that. But here's what I want us to get out of it. The common things, the foolish things of the earth, God will confound the wise with. That gives me great hope as one of the the foolish. To be able to confound the wise, to be willing, to be open, to be used by God in this world. So you're not common in his eyes, but you may be common in the world. And so you can take hope that he's going to use you. Amen? So then we keep on reading here. <clears throat> it says that the, the acacia wood for five, five cubits in length and five cubits in width, it was square and the height was... Um, Three cubits. So it's one and a half. They're saying one and a half feet per cubit. I heard it was like the span of your arm, but I always go like this. What if the guy's got, you know, monkey arms and they're, it, it's not accurate. So what they say, it's 1.5 feet per cubit. So you're looking at a seven and a half foot cube, right? And it's four and a half feet tall. And we're talking about the altar here, the brazen altar. Okay, and so what this altar was for, everybody knows what the altar is for, right? The altar was a sacrifice for, our, for the sins in that time to be forgiven. And I'm not going to jump into the, I am getting too ahead of myself. So that's the, that's the, what it, that's the, the width, the square, the height. He made its horns on its four corners. The horns were in one piece with it, and he overlaid it with bronze. So he's got these horns, and he somehow he put it in the... By the way, we're going to get into the guy who he is. It's, I'm going to call him Basil. It's Basal or something like that. I can't pronounce it, but let's just say Basil for tonight, right? Basil, I don't know how he did it, but he's got these horns on all four corners, and it's tied into one piece, piece, and he's overlaid it with bronze. And in in the Bible, and we're going to get into some of the colors tonight, the scriptures, the commentaries, and I didn't have time to look it all up, but say that bronze speaks of judgment and humanity. Interesting to me that God Almighty, and we're going to look at this picture of this tabernacle, and what did I say earlier? Revelation of God. This bronze altar was for judgment for humanity, right? It was for, for the judgment of sin. 
And so that's what it speaks of. Keep that in mind as we go on. He made all the utensils. Oh, where am I? Yes, he made all the utensils for the altar, the the pans, the shovels. Um, forgive me, you guys. The basins, the forks, and the fire pans, all the utensils were made of bronze. And he made the grate of bronze network for the altar under the rim from the midway of the bottom. The grate, uh, nobody knows for sure what it was. Some people believe it was like, as somebody that's flipping burgers, I can testify to this. It was like a grate that the cook, not the cook, the high priest, as he was, as he was barbecuing the meat, that he would stand and work on. But, but most of them believe what it was is was like a, kind of like a grill underneath, midway. That's, that makes more sense to me, that it would hold the meat. Um, verse 5, he cast four rings for the four corners of the bronze grating and holders for the poles. As he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. Then he put the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to bear it. He made the altar hollow with boards. So he made this altar out of the acacia wood, but it was hollow, basically to be light, right? Because this tent is going to be mobile for the next 400 years. They're going to, it's going to last a long time. The wood's going to last a long time. So they've made it so that they could move it when they need to. So bronze. Bronze. When they would go in to sacrifice for their sin, it would be somebody going into the tent, they would take that animal that they've looked at for a year, let's say. They've raised this animal. You walk out every day, every night, you see that animal, and you know that that animal is going to pay for your sin. That innocent animal that has done nothing wrong is going to be the blood sacrifice for your sin. And so when the time come, you would bring that to the high priest and to the altar, and you would lay your hands on there, and you would confess your sins before the high priest, and then they would slit the the animal's throat, and kill it. You guys can already see where we're going. There's a great picture here of Christ, and we're going to see that throughout the rest of the chapter. There's a great picture, the brazen altar. God given us a, a visual, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do once and for all. So they take this innocent animal and sacrifice them for your sins. Well, of course it didn't last. You had to keep doing that. You had to keep doing that. Verse 8 says, He made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled in the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So this laver, why don't they just say, it's a bowl. It's a, it's a huge bowl, and it's all encased, or, you know, it's wood, and they got all this, this um, bronze all, all around it. And so what this was used for is that the high priests, after they would do the sacrifices, they would cleanse themselves with the water before they'd go into the Holy of Holies. 
And so the way I look, I always try to get a little application out of this. This was a little difficult for me, but there's application in God's word for us today. We're not just reading about colors and bowls and bronze. There's application and meaning for you and I today. God wants us to learn something out of this. So as we look at the bowl and we see the cleansing, God, you have to become clean and pure before you can hang out with God. How do we do that? Through Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other name under heaven which a man can be saved. God left his throne, became a man, dwelt among us, didn't have a place to lay his head, was beaten unrecognizable, died for our sins, and then rose from the dead three days later. And the beautiful thing about it is, it's a free gift. God has made the way for you and I to be right with the Father. So that now we have direct access into the throne room of God. Before it would be the high priest. He's the only one who could go in. And they'd even tie a rope on him when he'd go in in case he, did, he wasn't pure and clean. That he gets smote dead, they could drag him out. So, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Amen? Once and for all. Let's just keep looking through this and keep your eyes looking to see Jesus in this. Okay. Oh, and the women. We got to touch on this. God did for a reason. The women that were ministering at the gate that's what they used, their mirrors. So what it was is like, it's bronze. It's like brass. It's shiny brass. That's what they used for their mirrors. The women gave this up so that they could create, help create this basin. That the, that the high priest would be clean and washed. Just like you and I get clean by, water, by reading the word. We get cleansed. We get washed from the yuck of every day. When we read the word, God speaks to us and we get washed, we get cleansed. But these women, nobody really knows what they were doing, but they were ministering women. And here's the one thing I do know, being married for 26 years last Wednesday. For a woman to give up her mirror, that's a big deal. And I'm even like this, I'm going, yeah, but what about me too? I... Not that I spend hours in the mirror. I can't even see the hairs growing out of my ears and my nose. And, but I still need a mirror to shave and to do all that. But the women, this is a big thing for a woman. Just want to see the heart of it. The people are involved in this. It's not just God doing his thing. The people are involved in it. And that's something I want us to see as we go on. It's the relationship that we have in this task of, of the kingdom of God. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationships, building relationships. Man, I've gotten to build a lot of relationships with the young kids working hour after hour at Mudman. But look, at, I, I got to tell you, this side of heaven, I would not take any, any of it away from the hearts that I've gotten to hear 
and be a part of from the pains that I've got to walk through with, the joys. It's all about relationships. So even then, as we're going to see even further on, God is inviting us to be a part of his work. It's not just that God, a one-man show, he's chosen to use us, the common things of the world, if you're willing. Let's see. Okay, now I'm going to read verse 9 through 20. Bear with me. Then he made the court on the south side. The hangings of the court were on the woven linen, <laughs> the woven linen, 100 cubits long. That's 150 feet. Again, take in mind it's, it's 1.5 feet for each cubit. So we got 100. That's 150 feet. Um, with 20 bronze sockets, the hooks of the pillars and the, the bands were silver. Now, silver, as we go on, according to scripture and commentary, silver speaks of truth and redemption. Now, we're in the outer court here, okay? We're not in the Holy of Holies. We're not in the holy place. It was separated into three. We're in the courts where you and I would go in and, and sacrifice her sin. So it's interesting to me that God has already named the bronze, judgment, humanity, and now he's got silver, which speaks of redemption and truth. It's a neat picture to see what he was already pointing out, because you and I, that's what we need. We want truth and we want redemption. We don't want to be judged, but that's what happens at the altar. Amen? So to keep that in mind as we go on. Uh, on the north side, the hangings were 100 cubits long with 20 pillars and their 20 bronze sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. And on the west side, there were hangings of 50 cubits with 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. The east side of the hangings were 50 cubits. So it's basically this, 150 by 75. Okay? And, and one, of the, one of the things I was reading said that you could put three of these, 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, in the ark. That's how, I mean, 150 feet is half a football field to help some of you understand. That's, that's pretty big, right? A portable tent to be moving around. So, 150 by 75. For the east side, the hangings were 50 cubits. The hangings of the side of the gate were 15 cubits long with their three pillars and their three sockets. And the same for the other side of the court gate. On this side, and that there were hangings on the 15 cubits with their three pillars and their three sockets. I'm lost on the sockets and pillars right now, but they're out there. All the hangings of the court are all around were a fine woven linen. Here's another color. Fine white woven linen speaks of righteousness and purity. Again, as we go on, we're going to see it points to, to Christ. It points to Christ. The sockets for the pillars were bronze, the hooks of the pillars and their hands were their bands were silver, and the overlay of their capitals 
was silver, and all the pillars of the court had bands of silver. The screen for the gate of the court was woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of the nine woven, the fine woven linen. <laughs> the length was twenty cubits, and the height along its width was five cubits, corresponding to the hangings of the court. And there was four pillars with their four sockets of bronze. Their hooks were silver, and the overlay of their capitals and their uh, bands was silver. All the pegs of the tabernacle and all the the court around were bronze. So, 150 by 75 feet wide. Uh, the the gate that we're speaking of, there was only one way in and one way out. It was 30 feet. Okay, 30 feet out of the 75. That's how big it was. But what I want to touch on are these colors. According uh, to the scripture, blue speaks of heavenly things. Okay, heavenly things. Purple speaks of royalty. Scarlet speaks of the blood sacrifice. Okay. Jesus, Son of God, heavenly. Jesus, purple, King of kings and Lord of lords. Scarlet, the blood sacrifice, Jesus. So even as God goes throughout all these details and all of us have been going, oh, wow, again, really? We're going through all this? He's crying out, pointing to Christ. He's our Redeemer. He's heavenly. He's faithful. He's true. And He is going to satisfy the wrath and the judgment of God. Hence the brazen altar. Amen? So you guys see the parallel, right? (laughs) One thing I want to touch about the gate. Jesus said, I'm the way. I said it early. The only way to God is through the cross. There is no other way for a man to be saved except through the cross. God was even using that in the tabernacle as we go through the one gate. The one way to go in. There's only one way to go in. Just like Jesus is the only way, there's only one way to go in for the forgiveness of your sins into the tabernacle. There's only one person, Jesus Christ, that can satisfy the wrath of God For yours and my sins. There's no other religion on the planet that deals with sin once and for all. We're on the right side. That's good news. It's a great message. God is love. God is peace. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should perish, excuse me, whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He wants everybody to come to him. Hence the cross. Once and for all. No more blood of animals. And, and no more goats. Or anything like that. In Hebrews 9 the Bible talks about. That there's, 
Without the shedding of blood, there is no uh, forgiveness of sins, paraphrase. There's no remission. That's the message, gang, that you and, he, you and I need to walk out on this planet. If we don't, eh, well, you know, I try to be a good neighbor. You know, I kept my lawn mowed and, and everything looked nice. And Renee keeps asking me when I'm going to go over and talk to the neighbor. <laughs> but she's right. To go over and share and to talk about the things of the Lord. Whatever God may use in me. I might just end up being a nice neighbor to the guy. But you and I, if we're available to bring that message of the cross to a dying, hurting world that is looking for something and someone to live for. It's not about how much money you have. We read about all the times all these guys with mansions and monies, they're killing themselves. It doesn't lead to satisfaction. Only a relationship with the Lord, then He will begin to teach you and shape you and mold you into the person that He wants you to be, that He created you to be before the foundations of the world. Verse 21. Let me read this. I'm going to read this first. Hebrews 9, 19 through 28. This, will, this really gives you a picture, basically, of what the tabernacle is all about, the, the foreshadowing of Christ. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these. But heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So in other words... Better than the things sprinkling the tent and all this and that, the heavenly things. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another then would have to have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin, for salvation. That's the gospel. That's the message of God. Redemption. God bringing him, bringing man, sinful man, to himself. Everybody understands this. Yeah, God is holy and perfect and can't have anything to do with sin. If you're sitting here tonight thinking that you're a good person, 
Not good enough to reach God on your own merits. If you don't believe me, you can go read Exodus chapter 20 and Ten Commandments and all the other laws that they added in that no one's capable of keeping. There shall not bear false witness. Has anybody in here ever lied? There's a standard that God has that's way up here. No matter how good a boy or good, good a girl you are, you will never reach it. Because if you fail once, an all-holy, perfect God can't have anything to do with you. If he embraced it, he wouldn't be holy and perfect. He has to judge sin because he's holy and perfect. We all understand that, yeah? Hence, Jesus Christ. Holy and perfect, had no sin in his life, yet was tempted every way that you and I have been tempted, yet without sin. Came, left heaven, marched to the cross, and was beaten unrecognizable. The Bible says as if he, he would, they couldn't tell if he was a man or a woman. Stripped like hamburger, God just taking Jesus and punishing for all of our, yours and my stinking sin. The brazen altar was a picture of it. God finally dealt with it once and for all. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 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 God took care of it once and for all. That's the good news that people need to hear. And we need to be open to whenever he has that for us. We're not... That's it. God's coming back to judge the world. And he's going to send wrath upon those people that did not believe. Those that heard the message here tonight said, Nah, I'm not ready. I don't want it. You don't have tomorrow. None of us do. I could bite it in a car crash. I could fall down because I can't see. Fall down the stairs and break my neck. Who knows? God knows. We don't have tomorrow. So it's a serious thing for you and I. Because you're going to stand before God, whether saved or not. You're going to stand before Him. And I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter my rest. Of course, He's going to look at the inventory of what I did with my life, but I'm still going in because my sin is taken care of. Amen? As a Christian. But if you're not a Christian here today, the Bible says the wrath of God abides on you. That word abides means remains. Remember I said before, uh, we were all in bondage. The wrath of God remains on you and I. Christ made the way. Willingly. Willingly. Died for us. Innocent blood shed once and for all. No more of the goats and bulls. Verse 21. This is the inventory of the tabernacle. The tabernacle of the testament testimony which was counted according to the commandment of Moses for the service of I'm going to butcher for the Levites by the hand of Ethmar and Aaron uh, the priest so here we are Moses has commanded and given charge uh, Ethmar to take inventory of all this silver gold bronze purple linen all these all these things And so application for me is simple. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us. Amen? But even more importantly to me is we need to be, as Christians, taking inventory of our souls. 
Yes, I'm going to heaven. Yes, I'm forgiven. I listened to that song before I came. It is well with my soul. No matter the dirty laundry, no matter the day I had today, the matter how many times I made mistakes, it is well with my soul. Not because of me, but because of Him. It'll never be because of you and I. It'll always be because of what He did once and for all on the cross. It's His righteousness covered in us. It's His blood that lavishes us with forgiveness. So we're to be taking inventory by spending time in the Word, in prayer, by hanging out with brothers and sisters that will that be honest with you. Right? And let you know that, hey man, these things you could better in. That's why I have a helpmate. Right? Our wives are our helpmates. They, they're able to, they know us in and out. That's not a cut down, by the way. It isn't at all. My wife knows me well enough to sit there and say, you need to spend t- more time with Nathan, or you need to do this and that, because she sees the things that might be lacking, because I'm running around a lot of times with my head cut off. But I, I need to take inventory of where I'm at with God on a daily basis. We need to be mindful of that as Christians. We're not just walking around, hoo, 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 and there's, there's no purpose. There's purpose. Class 17, there's purpose. There's no accident that you're here at all. None of us. Everybody here tonight, God wanted you to be here. There's no accidents with Him. There's purpose and meaning in your life. So we need to be those that take an inventory. Here we go. We're going to talk about Basil. Verse 22. Basil, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And with him was Alehibab, or <laughs> Alibaba, uh, son of Ashimach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer, a weaver of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and all the fine linen. So, What the name of Basil means is in the shadow of God. Interesting. In the shadow of God. And another thing I want to know about this is this guy, Moses didn't call him, say, hey, look it, come talk to me with his veil on or whatever. He says, God says this. I'm going to read it to you real quick. In Exodus 31, you can turn back there if you want. You don't have to. Oh, wait a minute. I think it's 35. No. Yeah, 31.1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Basil, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work all manner of workmanship. And I indeed I have appointed him with Alibaba, 
the son of Ashamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artesian, artists that they may make all of that I have commanded you. We got an artist in the room. And he got best artists in the Flathead Valley, Pastor Steve Miller. But here's what I know about Pastor Steve that he knows as a man, a, a man that's been forgiven by God. He didn't have to, he might have had to work at it and practice, but people that have the gift that he has, it's God given. Yeah? Again, you've heard me talk about this many times up here, but it's important for you to know everyone sitting here, if you're a Christian, you're gifted by God. You know, like, I don't know, man. I haven't seen anything in my life. What's my gift? I don't know. But the scriptures teach and say that there's a gift in you or gifts that he wants to use you. And it doesn't necessarily mean Pastor Steve's going to use his, his artwork to minister the gospel because we know his heart, right? Not before in the olden days. Probably just want to sell some paintings or whatever. But now that he's a born-again Christian, he's going to use that gift to glorify the Lord. Same with you and I. I've got a, I have a few gifts. I'm not even going to say what they are. But I've developed them over the years as an old man. I always thought it was evangelism because I'm on the back of a moving truck sharing with all the guys I used to party with. Right? I'm down in Mexico and people are getting saved and I don't even speak the language. So God started doing that, and then he started working in other areas. And, and it didn't tell me, this is your gift. I walked with him day after day, night after night over the years, and I find myself operating naturally what he created me to do. But the key is, is you got to be willing. Right? you got to be willing. So be encouraged. Lord, go home tonight. Lord, what, what do you have me do for you? What are, what are those giftings? What are the, some of those desires he's placed on your heart? Just take a step out of the boat. We've all heard this one. I love it. But take a step out of the boat. Peter walked on water. The rest of the Christians were in the boat. They were saved and freaking out. They were just as much saved as Peter, but he experienced walking on water and things because he took a step by faith. If God has laid something on your heart here tonight for him, you're fearful, you're afraid, you don't think you can do it, but it will glorify him, take a step. Next thing you know, and you take another step. Next thing you know, you're halfway out in the middle of the ocean, you're still walking on water, Right? God has giftings for all of us. Don't sit here tonight and think that you're not. You are gifted by God according to his word. Every single one of us as Christians. And let's see, back to 38. And Ali, the, the Alehab guy, he, uh, his name means, um, and it's interesting, his name means tent of the fathers. Okay? Tent of the Father. So he's, he's like ordained before the foundations of the world be working on tents, right? So these guys are gifted. They've been called directly by God. God is telling Moses back in chapter 31, I've called these guys for the work. 
Let's jump down to 24. All the gold that was used, all the work of the holy place, that is, that is the gold of the offering, was 29 talents and 750 shekels according to the shekel of the sanctuary. So what I did is I, I got online and I wanted to see what the dollar value would be of all these numbers. Because talents, all this other stuff. So here's what a talent is. It's 75.40 pounds. The gold, just the gold in the tabernacle, okay? 2,204.85 pounds totals today's price, or excuse me, in 2015 when this came out. It was probably more now. 37376486 dollars 88 just of gold that is in this tabernacle. Anthony and I were talking the other day that I, I said that I heard from a guy, you know somebody by their house. Not you, I not know them personally. I go, I know that guy just because he's got a yellow house and, you know, he must be a wimp or something. No. You know, in all seriousness... The tabernacle reveals who God is. It reveals Christ, right? It's like me if I drive up and I drive up to the house and I got weeds this tall in somebody's house. He hasn't mowed the lawn in three years. That's going to reveal a little something to me, right? Or you go into their house and you see their decorations. You see the, like our, we got the old man praying with the bread. You know, the, the one that everybody has. I love that guy. I do. I tell Renee, I say, I want to end up like that guy. Maybe not alone, but I'm just, I'm content to meet the Lord with a piece of bread, right? So here's, here's what we have, is that you know God has revealed himself through the, uh, his tabernacle. Silver, 7,584.38 pounds, totaling $1,751,465.33. The whole total with the yarn and, and the linen and everything, they came up with $57 million at today's price. So it's probably anywhere from, and this is, just, this is commentaries, okay? These are guys that did the homework for me. 10 to $13 million back then. This is a lot of money, but the, this is the key that I wanted to, to look at. It says through the offering. Through the offering. Chapter 35, verse 5. Take from among of Exodus you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet, thread, the fine linen, and goat's hair. Ramskins, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light. And spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet uh, incense. Jump down to 22. They came both men, excuse me, they came both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings and rings of necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet, thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, red skins of rams, and badger skins brought them. Interesting to me, again, we've touched on this. 
God is not doing this as a lone ranger. He could, but he's inviting you and I to be a part. Yes, there's huge financial giving here, but the, the thing that I see there when I read is they were willing. Dude, it'd be like this. I'm not giving that. I'm not going to give my time. I'm tired. I don't want to give my time. Honey, we're going to the dinner over this place house. <sighs> really? I don't want to go there. And then you go there and there's tears and there's broken hearts and God's moving in a big way and you drive away and go, that was dumb. Because God is willing to move in us and through us through the common people. They were willing. All this gold and everything came back from their back pay of 400 years in bondage. This is all from Egypt. And now they're giving it to the things of the Lord. Cool, huh? They're a part of what's going on. Now God's presence, and and they'll get to read that in the next couple of chapters. God's presence is amongst the camp. His glory is going to rest upon the camp and he's going to be with there. Before, he's just been fallen by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But now he's going to be in the midst of the camp. Just like he wants to be with you and I. Christ stands at the door of your heart and knocks. He wants to fellowship with us and to be with us. Through your hurtings, through your anger, through whatever you're going through, we're not robots. Many times, and I'm not, I have said some, this is how I feel. God knows it. Why am I going to pretend? We don't need to pretend with God. He's chosen you right where you're at, desires a relationship right where you're at, and has made the way through his son, Jesus Christ. But here's the beautiful thing. They were willing. They didn't have to. Neither do you. You don't have to. If he forced you to, then you wouldn't have a free will. We all have a free will. He'll never violate your free will. It's your choice. If you went like this, no to God, and you died and and met him, he would paint this night back before you. There's no way you could say you didn't know. There's no way. So they were willing. It was a group effort. All the gold that was used, verse 24, all the work of the holy places, excuse me, I did that, verse 25, and the silver from those who were numbered of the congregation was 100 talents, 1,775 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A becca for each man, that is a half a shekel, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for everyone Included in the numbering from 20 years old and above for 600 and 603,550 men. So I, I, I believe if I read it white, these guys had to come in and give like half a shekel as an offering. And so that was another way that they were bringing in cake. And from the hundred talents of silver were casts of sockets of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil. One hundred sockets from the hundred talents, one talent for each socket. Then from the one thousand uh, seven hundred, wait, 
Then from the 1,775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, overlaid their capitals, and made bands for them. The offering of bronze was seven, uh, 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. And with it, he made the sockets for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the bronze altar, the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils for the altar. The sockets for the court all around, the bases of, for the court gate, all the pegs for the tabernacle, and all the pegs for the court all around. So the cost, as we read, was huge. Yeah? 57 million in today's terms. Back then they were saying anywhere from 10 to 13 million. That's a high cost involved in putting this tabernacle. But the cost is even higher for you and I. To follow Jesus, it'll cost you. If you want to become a Christian, I'm here to tell you, it won't be easy. It'll cost you. You're going to have to learn to die to yourself, learn to die to those things that don't please the Lord. You're going to have to learn to love people, love Him, and even love those people that you can't stand. Somehow, through His help, you're going to learn how to love them. The cost is high. And I've said it a zillion times tonight, but I want it to penetrate. I want the Lord to be able to filter this into our hearts. He gave His Son a high, high cost. Not a game, not a fable, not a story. Truth, silver, redemption, Christ, bronze, judgment. The judgment is coming. Scarlet, the red blood sacrifice. The white righteousness of Christ. So when we go to heaven, dude, we walk in with the white robes. Not based on me. I just simply said, please forgive me, Lord. Come into my life. Change me. And he's been with me every step of the way. He'll do the same. But it wouldn't be fair to tell you that the cost is high. He'll ask you to do things that you thought you that are impossible for you to do. But he'll see you to the other side. Second Timothy three twelve says yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We see very little of it in this in this country. Mostly get out of my face, leave me alone. You're narrow-minded. It's about it. You go to these third world countries where some of you may end up, there's people that die for their faith. They're dying for their faith today. You and I don't have a clue. But here, even here as Christians, if we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, if we want to walk right with him, we're going to get beat up here and there. But here's what I want you to know. God will enable you to get up And keep going forward because he who's began a good work will be faithful to see you to the finish line. So if you find yourself stumbling here today, get up and keep walking. Your home is heaven. He's promised to get you there. John 16.33 says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. 
In him you'll have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There ain't nothing. The Bible says that Jesus has been tempted in every way. He totally understands, fully God, fully man. He understands these tents, everything about it. He is God. And he said he's overcome the world. As we put our trust in him, we'll make it through everything that God allows us to go through in this life. Amen? You want to come forward? I'm going to pray. Father, we just thank you for your word tonight, your encouragement, the excitement that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin was a crimson stain, but he washed it as white as snow. Not based on Kevin's performance or anybody else that's a Christian in here, but based on the love of God for humanity that has rebelled against him willingly. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being obedient going to the cross and and paying for all of our sin. With everybody's head bowed, I want to ask you a question, a couple of questions. If you've never received Christ, the Bible says he's the only way to have your sins. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Selah Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.